Hi there, and welcome to the Crypto Frontier. I'm Jonathan Miller, Managing Director of Kraken Australia, and I'm glad you could join me out here on the Crypto Frontier. This show will explore the latest in market data trends and go behind the scenes and explore the technology that powers what we call the future of finance. Now for some of the latest news in crypto, brought to you by Kraken Intelligence. Crypto markets have been in turmoil after Tesla's reversal of their decision to sell cars for BTC, citing environmental concerns, and China once again commented about cracking down on Bitcoin trading and mining activities. We know crypto is volatile, but it's been extremely volatile in the last couple of days. On what could be considered the upside, Chinese-based mining firm Bixin stated that Chinese miners have already accelerated the migration process to other countries, which will see a broadening of the geography of the mining community. And finally, Ray Dalio of the world's largest hedge fund, Bridgewater Associates, said that he would rather have some Bitcoin than a bond in an inflationary scenario and disclosed that he does indeed own some BTC. He also maintained, rather philosophically, that Bitcoin's greatest risk is a success. Okay, that's all the news today. For more insight, make sure you subscribe to Kraken Intelligence at kraken.com. Now for my guest on today's show, it's a pleasure to introduce you to Dr. Gemma Green, co-founder of PowerLedger. Okay, Gemma, well, thanks so much for joining me on today's show. I really appreciate your time. Can you tell me a little bit about what brought you to crypto more generally? Uh, I guess what was before PowerLedger? My early career was spent in investment banking in London. Uh, the first part was in mainstream finance. I worked in, um, in equity derivatives and um, risk. And then I kind of had an epiphany that I wanted to work in sustainability and started um, studying in that area. And the bank that I was working at set up like an environmental and social risk unit, looking at its lending and financing activities in developing countries. So I was focused on mining, oil and gas projects, heavy manufacturing, and I was visiting projects in developing countries and looking at the environmental standards and making sure those where um, the risks around that aspect of their operations was disclosed in prospectus to list on stock exchanges and things like that. And then in I did that for, I was about 11 years in uh, banking and then I moved back to Perth where I'm from in 2012 and there's no investment banks here and I, in between leaving London and coming home, did a bit of hiking and got this idea that I wanted to build an eco-village in Perth and I was persuaded by a friend to do a PhD on the subject, which ultimately ended up being applied research. So I designed a solar and battery system in an apartment building in Fremantle, and I was trying to find some software that would create a transactive uh, marketplace so everyone would be allocated and a percentage of the output of the solar panels and the battery system. And if they didn't consume that allocation, they could trade it with their neighbours. And I could not find anything that did that. And by chance, actually, a former banking colleague of mine introduced me to my business partner, John Bullich, and we started looking into the applications of blockchain together. He had been working in the field of blockchain for a number of years and had developed applications in many other sectors. And we saw that there were use cases in electricity and that the blockchain could facilitate very complex things at scale and also add a lot of trust to a system that could have many peer-to-peer elements to it. 
without adding a lot of cost and in doing that really drive an efficient distributed electricity market. And so we set up my company, Power Ledger, uh, five years ago last week. We just turned five with um, uh, that in mind, really trading of tracking and tracing and trading electricity, flexibility services and environmental commodities using the blockchain um, as a, a key component of the platform and the system. Okay, so five years, that's a long time in blockchain. And thanks for that, you know, brief summary of Power Ledger. But let's go a little bit deeper into Power Ledger. Can you tell me about, I guess, you know, you, that, that was the inception. What were the first things that you did and, and what are some of the things that you're doing now? The first project that we did was a demonstration of peer-to-peer trading across the grid south of Perth in a, a retirement village in a place called Bustleton. And we installed uh, Raspberry Pis in houses and created the simulated trading environment and got that um, the residents within the retirement village to do trading with each other and uh, and demonstrate how the system would work. So that was pretty exciting to um, watch them engage with the first iterations of our platform and get excited and see that the idea of citizen utilities and citizen power stations was something that um, was was that on some level people were really personally connected to because we all buy electricity and a lot of people in Australia particularly have purchased solar panels and typically will only consume half of the output and the other half is exported to the grid and the opportunity to trade that with your neighbours or um, trade it with your favourite brands in exchange for goods and services I think is something that um, people can relate to and are excited about the, um, the the idea of being able to do that. Can you tell me more about that? You're talking about trading electricity for non-dollars. Um, what, what, what kind of things? Well, um, we've just um, signed up a new client, Carlton United Brewery, which is one of the oldest and largest beer companies in Australia. It's actually now owned by Asahi in Japan. And um, using blockchain technology, our energy trading platform tracks how many kilowatt hours travel through a household smart meter and then are being sold to um, Carlton to power the brewery and the customers are being paid in cartons of beer delivered to their home. We call it peer-to-beer trading. (laughs) Very good. Have you got a nifty nifty website for that yet? So um, there's a www.vbsolarexchange and anyone on the east coast of Australia can um, sign up and join and it gives customers control of where their solar is sent what it will be used for and what they get in return which is in this case beer but I think what it's done is uh, you know it's turned customer solar energy into a currency one they can use to buy beer in this instance but in the future much more and I think it shows how one day all companies could be powered by their consumers in an environmentally sustainable way and um brands can um, offer um, goods and services in exchange for buying electricity. So supermarkets or your telecommunications provider for your internet or your phone, um, they could buy solar from you and you'd be paid in store vouchers or product. And so how do you do this? Uh, Well, we measure the, using our platform, we measure the output from the smart meter from a house as well as the meter from the brewery to... um, to establish how much electricity is being consumed by the brewery at the same time as how much electricity is being exported by the household. 
and the house that the consumer can log into our platform and actually see I generated this many kilowatt hours today that equates to this many bottles of beer and my next delivery is this date and it's all tracked on the blockchain so you know that it's recorded accurately and you know it hasn't been tampered with and I think that the engagement around the blockchain piece is something that's really exciting and central to the proposition and um, VB and Carlton United Breweries have run like a big um, campaign around this TV ads and billboard ads so it's I think people have connected with the idea of peer-to-peer trading in a new way because they may have previously thought of it as I'm just trading solar with my neighbor but um, we all understand the concepts of like loyalty credits and points um, you know with flybys or frequent flyer miles and things like that and this is effectively doing the same but creating a token um, in this case like a non-fungible token that represents a unit of electricity from a particular place uh, and then um, acquitted against consumption for the brewery. So you're you're minting tokens when the meters are re- measuring solar generation on the on the retail user side and then the the company or the uh, the counterparty or whoever that might be is essentially burning them when they send goods or services to that to that person is that a fair way of understanding it? Yeah, exactly. Okay, that's that's quite fascinating. I, I definitely haven't heard of anyone else doing that, and I'm sure there'll be a lot of people interested in in receiving, um, you know, things like like beer for their peer to peer solar. But are there, you know, I guess where where else does that go? What what other kinds of forms of payment do you envisage people? Are participating in here? Well, households that have also invested in a battery can participate in our virtual power plant and that means that their electricity from their battery can be used to arbitrage the spot price electricity. So if the price goes really high, they can dispatch electricity into the wholesale market for electricity and be paid, uh, pay back their investment in a battery faster and then also um, provide um, ancillary services to stabilise um, the energy system or provide network services to stabilise the grid. And these are all like new income earning opportunities for batteries that can move payback periods from, you know, 11 years down to five or six years, which is very compelling. Um, so sure I, is. Um, I think that when electric vehicles become more mainstream, they're essentially larger batteries and, you know, you can see a future where, oh, there's lots of, income earning opportunities if I um, like leave my car at home and go out for dinner tonight and um, the income from that might cover the cost of a meal or if I go and put it at this um, charging station to upload electricity that's near like things I want to do tonight and that's going to cover the cost of it. So you could start to see this kind of information uh, really not only providing something that's useful for a more efficient grid but also helps to like provide the economic imperative to invest in these assets in the first place. Okay, so I can see that there's a really kind of neat line between, you know, using NFTs to represent solar and then kind of converting them to goods. But I was reading about a different uh, project that you're involved in, which is the Zero Carbon uh, Certification Scheme. Can, can you tell me a little bit about that initiative and where you guys fit in with that? Yeah, so the Smart Energy Council of Australia and Hydrogen Australia has created the zero carbon um, certification scheme for hydrogen, ammonia and steel and Powerledger has joined as a founding partner of the scheme. 
And so we'll be working with the Smart Energy Council and Hydrogen Australia to um, develop the certification uh, standards. And it, even though it's actually originating out of Australia, there are many international um, entities that have joined the scheme in Australia. So from uh, Europe, the German energy agency, DINA, has come on board and there's a group in the US which um, is organising many of the actual hydrogen projects that have joined the scheme. So it could be that the Australian standard becomes the global standard and um, we're already working on a hydrogen project in South America which is involving offshore wind that is going to create hydrogen and then be exported to Europe to power electric vehicles using green hydrogen. And there are many others that um, we can, opportunities for which like green hydrogen could be sold at a premium, but that is based on the ability to validate the, the actual provenance and green origins of the hydrogen. And so that's where blockchain, I think, is very powerful to build trust in the product that's been bought because if you don't believe that it's actually green you're not going to pay um pay for that um aspect of it so just playing a devil's advocate for one minute you know generally speaking certification schemes like this are government-led and and people go to the uh the you know the i guess the the certifier being the government and some sort of ledger um so what is the blockchain doing to make it better and faster and you know uh, I'm kind of answering the question a little bit myself here, but tell me what the blockchain is doing in this particular scheme. Well, if you look at blockchain technology as a um, in the use case of tracking the provenance of things, it's being used for things like you know export of wine or olive oil to ensure that actually you know French wine exported to China is actually um, really French wine. And olive oil exported from Italy is actually really from there and not from, uh, you know, some other country. Um, and I think that that use case is being well understood as really adding like a, some validation in the process that is hard to tamper with. And it can validate, you know, anyone could see to the extent that it's on a public blockchain or a blockchain that's accessible to the buyer, the volume of hydrogen that was produced within a certain time period in that place where it tracked from port to port where it was sent to and the volume of it that was in the market that the buyer the buying place location so I think what it can do is provide confidence that oh not more green hydrogen is being claimed to have been produced from that place or consumed than actually was um, created in the first place and I think that is kind of fundamental to the idea of do you trust it. So, you know, for example, carbon credits, if you get on an aeroplane and you have the idea, the possibility to buy a carbon offset, you go, well, I don't even know if that's actually going to work, so I'm not going to do it, which is what you're yeah. saying is I don't really trust that and so I'm not willing to purchase that. And I think the blockchain actually adds a layer of integrity to the process which improves the likelihood of that good being marketed as labelled. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think there's possibly some ancillary um, kind of applications for tying in then other tokens on top of that uh, that ledger, which I'm, I'm sure is in the pipeline. <laughs> Correct yeah. me if I'm wrong. Well, I think in the case of hydrogen, I think it's worth pointing out that it's possible to create hydrogen from many different sources of energy. Um, and so green hydrogen is hydrogen that's produced from renewable sources, whereas brown hydrogen... Um, 
it can be produced by fossil fuels and that's part of the reason why green hydrogen is maybe traded at a premium or certain buyers would only like to purchase hydrogen that has originated from renewable energy and I think that uh, you know for us to really know if the hydrogen is in fact green the blockchain needs to be an integral part of the tracking the provenance as opposed to ground hydrogen um, you know you want to be able to verify the source so I think that the blockchain can provide this immutable audit trail confirming the provenance of the source. It's really fascinating and I think that it's pretty clear as well that this is a huge opportunity for Australia. Um, and you mentioned other agencies kind of being potentially participant. What's the pathway to getting a, a kind of global standard for these kinds of things? Well, I think that there's actually um, quite, a, you know, there's reasons to be really optimistic about hydrogen and the hydrogen economy. I think it's also important to be cautious too. And if you look at the actual amount of infrastructure that needs to be built out, it's probably not until 2040 that it becomes a meaningful part of um, the overall energy system. So I think while the promise of hydrogen is really exciting, um, the reality has some way to go before that promise is fulfilled. But I think knowing where your hydrogen comes from is a big step along that you know righteous path. So I think the ability to use very cheap renewables to make hydrogen is um, something that is going to um, allow for more 24-hour renewable power and deal with the issues of variable renewable energy like solar mm. and wind um, yeah. because without it you're you're still reliant on fossil fuel energy to provide dispatchable electricity um, but the other issue I think is in the past 15 years a lot of the energy that's come from renewables has been planned by centralised means and it's not been particularly efficient, which has actually resulted in the cost of electricity going up as a result of cheap renewables in the system, ironically. Yeah. Um, and what I mean by that is say you've got like a nuclear power plant just outside a city or um, a gas-fired power station or a coal-fired power station, you shut that down and you want to replace that with solar or wind. The amount of solar and wind that's needed is such that you um, couldn't fit it in that location. You'd need to put it further out if you're going to build a large system. And so then you need to upgrade your transmission and distribution system. And then also you've got to deal with the intermittency. So you need storage of some kind, which could be hydrogen or it could be a battery or pumped hydro storage or things like that. And that also adds cost. And the proposition of the blockchain, to come back to that question you asked earlier, is really about using a distributed ledger to create a distributed energy market, i.e. not use centralised planning for renewables, which was based on like um, legacy centralised fossil uh, generation assets. So it's how do we actually put smaller amounts of solar and wind close to where the consumption is so that you don't need to upgrade transmission and distribution lines and add cost? And, and how do you match consumption and generation more closely together to reduce the need for storage and reduce cost as a result of that. And so I think what the blockchain provides is an efficient way to bring lots of small users into a market with price signals that, that create this um, more efficient 
renewable distributed energy market. Well, that's you've jumped essentially to, I guess, what my next question was, which was to ask you to paint a picture of, you know, I, I guess what, what comes next and what you're describing is, you, you know, community kind of um, distributed power plants. And I, and I think you mentioned that a little bit earlier, but just in, you know, I guess my final question would be, you know, can you, can you extrapolate a little bit in terms of what that might look like for, for the individual? What is a, what is a distributed power plant? look like for them well if you there's a clear price signal for you to provide grid stabilization services and you can pay back your investment in a battery faster you're likely to purchase that battery or purchase the ev because you can see the economic opportunity for doing so and to the extent that participation in that market's fairly automated and you can see very transparently when your battery and your ev or your house is being used and what the value is and how that accords against the market then that is really compelling like the, um, I think that is really core to the, the offering and the energy transition is something that engages with consumers in a way that they feel like it's fair and that, that they can see very transparently what the opportunity is for their participation. So I think that um, solar and wind um, demand a decentralised model and I think that really requires a wholesale overhaul of the electricity systems mm. including grid architecture, pricing, carbon markets, grid stabilisation systems and um, smart technology systems and I think uh, this shows that, you know, if you plan like this, I think you can actually scale renewables without these perverse issues that I mentioned and mm. It's not, it's not just an idea. It's actually happening. It's happening in Australia um, under what's called the Two-Sided Market Initiative, which will come into effect by 2025, but is already being implemented now. So, in fact, in Australia, it's possible for virtual power plants to provide these opportunities to households already. The cost of EVs needs to come down a bit more before there's more mass adoption, but the income earning opportunities are emerging um, as well as the piece. So it's the upfront cost and then the income, two pieces together. In Europe, there's a piece of legislation called the Clean Energy Package for All, which requires all the EU member states to implement local energy sharing laws by the end of 2021. And in the US, uh, FERC 2222 ruling is essentially doing something similar. Uh, and we've seen in like our demonstration project in Thailand in Bangkok, a peer-to-peer -peer trading um, sandbox there um, inspired uh, the state of Uttar Pradesh in India, which has 90 million people, to change its regulations to facilitate blockchain-powered peer-to-peer energy trading to help the state grow renewables against the, um, the targets that have been set nationally. Uh, and so you can start to see this actually unfolding um, and shifting from more centralised planning to facilitating these kind of distributed energy markets with localised price signals. Well, the future is now. And I really appreciate you taking the time to, to talk me through how PowerLedge is, a, you know, being part of that. So, Gemma, thanks so much for your time. And I'm wishing you all the best on, you know, your next, your next uh, milestones. Thanks, Jonathan. Thanks everyone for joining me on this show and for tuning in. Make sure you subscribe and review on your podcast platform of choice. And we'll make sure we take you right to the edge of the crypto frontier. And remember, you can learn more about all things crypto by visiting kraken.com learn. Until next time, I've been Jonathan Miller, and this 
Marcus Bean, The Crypto Frontier. <laughs>